Oh, hello. I didn't see you walk in. Welcome, dear guest, to the Dub Talk Host Club. We're a simple group of middle-class anime fans with far too much free time on our hands. Here to entertain you and make sure you leave satisfied. But before the festivities can begin, we have a few waivers we need to look over. The Dub Talk Host Club may contain language and content that's not suitable for younger audiences. So don't go crying to mommy when you hear something perverse. Listener discretion is advised. Also, there are definitely spoilers ahead for the anime we're about to discuss. But that's never stopped you before, has it, darling? And finally, the opinions expressed are those of the individual participants and do not reflect dub talk as a whole. Now, after all that boring paperwork, let's get to... Reverse harem debauchery! Yay! Welcome, gentle people, to the Dub Talk High School Host Club, where you may relax and indulge yourselves in the finest leisure and luxury, all while listening to intense discussion of the finest English language dubs by the most handsome and charming members of our club, or at least the most bearded ones. Usually, only the most wealthy and elite anime podcast listeners are allowed, but today we're opening our doors to all for this special event. Ah, but where are my manners? Let me introduce my fellow hosts. Here we have our master of manliness and owner of an exceptional mustache, Spaceman Hardy. Yo! <laughs> to How's his left? <laughs> to his left, we have our Moe master of charts and lover of pugs, Roots of Justice. I'm Scruffalotti! <laughs> Over here we have our loud and snarky type, Classy Spartan, a.k.a. Andrew. <laughs> oh, ladies, I hope you like what you see. You never know what's going to happen. And last but certainly not least, we have our shy and naughty type, Hitchinator. Please, please be gentle. <laughs> and they, with me, Amon, your resident music freak and expert about lies and nonsense, shall take you into the world of Oran High School Host Club, a absolutely delightful comedy and a surefire classic of Funimation's back catalog. For those of you not in the know, Oran High School Host Club is about Haruhi, a scholarship student at an extremely fancy and wealthy uh, high school. Uh, Haruhi's doing their best to fit in, keep their grades up, etc., but they end up having a chance encounter with the High School Host Club, a group of overly beautiful, pretty men who indulge the ladies at the club for money and fun. Uh... This seems to go well until Haruhi unwittingly breaks a vase and now must become a member of the host club in order to help pay for the damages. There's only one problem. Haruhi's a woman. <gasps> Gasp! And, and shenanigans ensue. Yes. <laughs> Clutch the pearls, what a sneaky thing to do. I know, right? It's also, it's almost worth, like the... it's also worth noting that this is not like... These boys are not like male prostitutes they are just they are comfort pretty boys where it's like, no they they like they like they like serve you tea and talk to you it's very professional it's, it's fair it's very chaste basically think of a cat cafe except instead of the kitties being very playful with you they're getting up close and personal and giving you compliments and making you feel loved Mm-hmm. <sighs> yes it's a fun time mm. but <laughs> 
Anyways, uh, let's jump right in and start talking about our ADR director and our script writers. Uh, the uh, ADR director on this is none other than Caitlin Glass, uh, who has been around for ages and has directed all sorts of stuff. Uh, more recent things you might know her for are Show by Rock, Sakura Quest, and currently Card Capture Sakura Clear Card. And uh, we have two credited script writers. Uh, the bulk of them was done by Monica Rial, who's also done uh, work on stuff like Seraph of the End, Level E, Tokyo Ghoul, and for a blast from the past, DN Angel. Oh, wow. Woman. Oh, wow. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, and a uh, handful of the episodes were also written by J. Michael Tatum, who you better might know for shows such as Akka 13, Assassination Classroom, and 91 Days. Uh, so, gentlemen, uh, what do we think about our director and scriptwriter here? Hardy, if you'd start us off. Well, I've always really been a fan of Caitlin Glass's work, uh, even going back to her helping out Mike McFarlane in the Full Metal Alchemist series, because this was recorded a few years after that one. And um, I think this is some of the best direction that, uh, for a 10-year-old dub, this is this is some of the best direction I think Funimation's ever had, to be perfectly honest. Um, moving on to the script writing, it, I generally liked it. You can tell that it is a 10-year-old dub because some of the terminology they use in a few of the episodes mm-hmm. probably would have to be written... Differently, differently today, especially <laughs> concerning, especially concerning a certain couple of characters, which we'll get uh. to later on. Mm. But other than that, yeah, it's very competently written, and thankfully, it's not bogged down by um, catchphrases or slang, circa two thousand eight, uh, <laughs> which is one of the things I appreciated a lot of it. So yeah, I think it was really good in both counts. Excellent, roots. Yeah. Um... I am generally a fan of Caitlin Glass's direction. Uh, this is pretty tightly polished. <clears throat> probably, probably one of the better things Funimation's put out. Probably before this decade, you know. Uh, as for script writing, as Hardy said, there was some. Let's just say disappointing language choices that would not fly today but you have to it's sort of like the uh sort of like the looney tune cartoon dvds where you kind of have to take them as a product of their time Mm. yeah like i don't think i would have blamed that as like that was a poor choice it's just at the time that was like a nobody thought anything else of it Right. Mm-hmm. But um, other uh, than that, does have a certain level of polish to it. <clears throat> does It's sort of that late 2000s, it's slightly rough around the edges, but you can kind of... You can kind of give it a slide, because... You know, while Funimation's been doing this for probably good part of a decade by that point in time uh there was still room to grow Mm -hmm. indeed uh andrew uh so as this episode is technically a uh dub talk classics uh several of us are watching the show for the first time myself 
I've never watched Oron High School Host Club before this, and I'm I always know a lot of my friends had seen it and loved it. A lot of the people I know who are like, I hate anime, have watched it and enjoyed it. So I'm like, man, I really should get around to this someday. So I got to watch this one for both my 2018 massive anime operation backlog project, where this one was originally scheduled much later in the year, but I swapped it around when it's like, oh, we want to do this as a white day special. By the way, you're welcome, ladies. Anyways, um, <laughs> watching this for the first time, knowing this is an almost 10-year-old dub, this ages really well. Like, the, di the direction and the performance from a lot of these characters are standout and, like, hilarious, breathtaking, outrageous, and fun characters. The script itself is very witty, very funny, very amusing, and like I said, um, anything that... The only real thing that's dated is the use of... Uh, I, I think we can mention it for uh, research and discussion purposes. The use well, of the word... <laughs> let's just say it starts with a T and it rhymes with nanny. I... Uh, okay. You should know what it is. Okay. Uh, point is... Uh, honestly, like... The script itself has aged really well. It's hilarious. It's remarkable. And there's some stuff in there that I genuinely was kind of surprised was there. Even, like, it was apparently even in there in the original where it's like, you're all the supporting cat. Like, I am the main love interest. And y'all are the supporting homosexuals. Oron is a very self-aware reverse harem, let's I think say. that's why I like it so much, is that from the beginning of the show, it's very clear it knows what it is, and all the stuff that I was like, oh god, is this going to be too so-and-so? It's like, all the characters seem aware of what the show is, and that it's parodying all the shoujo and yaoi content, and it works, and it's so funny, and it's amazing, and I really, really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Uh, Itchy? Yeah, kind of the same way. This show, I've watched it for many years now. Um, I don't usually watch it yearly, but I watched it back in the day, like back in 2010, 2009, when I really got into a lot of anime watching. And watching it recently, it really holds up a lot. A lot of the characters just fit into those archetypes very well. And it feels like the direction of that was just so spot on for all these characters to be so like their personalities um it's 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 one of my favorite shows it feels like i kind of forgot a lot about the show but when i rewatched it it just all these memories came flooding back and it just felt amazing to watch the show again because it is really special to me also it's worth hey. noting uh we have an extra boy on tonight because it's Oron and we needed more boys with beards so we have a guest tonight that's itchy I am kind of new here. Um, uh, you could say I'm like the Haruhi of the group now, because I'm basically the new boy. He, Definitely he, not cross-dressing this time, though. He broke Hardy's uh, piggy goat, and now he has to pay for it by doing this episode. No, he broke my glass boot! <laughs> Itchy, how could you? He just got that. Shame, shame, shame. You're supposed to turn the toe, Itchy. Nothing to cry about it. 
<laughs> oh. oh, not even ten minutes in, we've already had hit puns. Wonderful. Oh, I am going to this episode, aren't I? Record? Anyways, um, no, I, I agree a lot, Itchy. Uh, I have also not watched this in many years, and it was a delight to come back to this. If you had asked me, like, early college, basically around the time this came out, hey, what's a really great recent English dub? This would be a, near the top of the list. And I've always enjoyed this. I always thought it was very sharp. It was very funny. Uh, and it just did a wonderful job of translating the humor uh, into this, you know, wonderful spoken dub. And as people noted, some of the language is a little problematically dated. Um, but happily, it's pretty brief uh, and not that hard to avoid. So, you know, I, I think, you know, a lot of thumbs up all around. Uh, but now that we've talked about the, the nuts and bolts behind recording it, let's get down to the specific performances. Uh, our first little group, we, uh, Oran, if you've never seen it, has oodles and oodles of side characters. They're everywhere. Pretty much every episode is at least one prominent character who does a bunch of stuff. Uh, we could cover all of them, but we'd probably be here for about four hours. Uh, and I'm not sure any of us actually want to talk that long about anything. So uh, we're going to give yeah, you. Yeah, this is sampling. not a Donkin Rampa episode. Yeah, oh, exactly. Oh, I, I look. I see your condescending gaze, Hardy. I know you're looking mm -hmm. at me through the computer screen in the form of my avatar, but I see your condescending gaze, sir. In in in, in his defense, Andrew. Judgment. In his defense, Andrew, I kind of thought the same thing when I was prepping this episode. Fair enough. Sorry. Um. But we do, we, it would be a shame to just ignore all of them. So we're going to give you a little taste. And in our first uh, set of characters, we have three wonderful side characters. We have uh, Umihito Nekozawa, a weird cat-obsessed guy who shows up at the host club once in a while behind a spooky door. Uh, we have uh, Ritsu Kasunoda, uh, the son of a prominent Yakuza member who joins the host club in an attempt to get people to like him more because everyone's terrified of him because he always looks like he's going to murder you. Okay. He just has that... A.K.A. Bossa Nova. Exactly. Uh, and finally, we have uh, Eclair Tonore, uh, who is a woman that uh, they try and get one of our leads to get engaged to late in the series. And she does not care for this host club nonsense. She does not see the point of any of this. It's very tragic. Um, the three of them are played by... Uh, uh, Nekozawa is played by Patrick Seitz. Uh, he would know for all sorts of things. Uh, most recently, you know him playing Dio in Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Uh, he plays Frankie in One Police. He's George Kozumi in Paradise Kiss, a personal favorite of mine. And of course, he is Wolfgang Grimmer in Monster, my favorite dub, my favorite performance in any dub ever. He's so nice. Uh, Kasunoda is played by Christopher Sabat. Uh, he would best know him for playing, uh, obviously, Armstrong in Full Metal Alchemist. He's uh, Funimation's go-to voice for Daisuke Jigen in various Loop on the Third series. And uh, most recently, you've probably heard him in, say, All Might in My Hero Academia. And finally, uh, Eclair Tonere is played by Colin Clinkenbeard, who known for playing uh, such roles as uh, Riza Hakai in Fullmetal Alchemist, Nice Holly Stone in Bakano, and uh, Misaka Karada in Kodocha, which I only found out just doing research for this episode, where she's very funny. Uh, anyways, gentlemen, what do we think of these performances? Uh, Hardy? Well, basically we have two dear, sweet, gentle boys and one uppity bitch. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Patrick Seitz, I'd have to say, if you could take his uh, Luke Valentine, combine it with his Dio Brando, and then just make him make it just the the most tortured little weeb character imaginable. <laughs> He's like a little gothic ham 
afraid to leave his closet. Pretty much. Ah, yeah. ham. Nature's candy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's fun hearing him go all goofy goth and then freak out whenever someone flashes a light in his face. So, but um, uh, with Christopher Sabat, uh, this is basically almost. It, it, this character is basically if um, what a, what's his name uh, Kuwabara if he didn't have the goofy accent it's pretty much the same character but that's half the fun of Kuwabara is the goofy accent true, true. I feel robbed yeah but uh, no he's this tough rough tough Yakuza kid and um, but he's got a gentle side he just wants to be friends with people he wants to be loved and and you can really feel the whiplash when he goes from angry brooding angst to, you know, I just want to play kick the can. <laughs> yeah. And uh, with Colleen, not much is really known about her character other than she's not all there in the head entirely. And uh, she takes her opera glasses into the shower for some reason. She's an eccentric rich lady. They just do weird crap all the time. Right. Why yeah. does she take those anyways, fucking things in the shower? I'm sorry. Because how will people know she's rich? <laughs> you may ask who's in the shower to know that. It doesn't matter. She has to watch the show. She's exactly. very the, she's very, very nearsighted, so she needs to take them in there to make sure she turns the hot water knob and not the cold one. I don't understand this confounded contraption. What does the red mean, and what does the blue do? I don't understand. <laughs> but oh anyways, God, yeah. the red means hot. The red means hot. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, yeah, I just I think all of them did a really great job. Sorry, I can't not. I cannot speak today. I has the dumb. Um, yeah, they all brought their own little individual levels of hamminess and campiness to their performances, especially on mainly on Sites' uh, case. But yeah, they all did a uh, a really uh, respectable job before seeing these characters. Excellent. Uh, Roots? Descript girl. I'll eat her later. Uh, but I know. <laughs> yeah, Almon gets it. Uh, I really like Patrick Seitz's sort of the lovable goofball goth. Just overly dramatic, overly hammy. Everything's a production. Like, it, it's Patrick Seitz in his comfort zone. And, uh, <laughs> so are you insinuating that in real life Patrick Seitz lives in the closet and wears a dark cloak? I mean, what do you think being a voice actor is? <laughs> oh, right. He makes a point, audience. Mm -hmm. But, uh, let me just say, some of my favorite Chris Sabat roles of all time are the precious cinnamon roll characters. Which, thankfully... <laughs> Bossa Nova happens to be big time. Yeah. Like Cardi said, it's it's Kuwabara without... I wouldn't say without the sort of punkish accent, but it's definitely not as there as it is in Yu Yu Hakusho. And uh, Colleen does a really great job as sort of the out-of-touch 
arranged marriage fiance kind of character who's basically oh. got <clears throat> got another character that we'll be talking about at the probably towards the tail end of the episode basically by the balls until the very probably the last like minute or two of the show I, I, I really like the performance <clears throat> but you know she she's only there for like the last two episodes so there's really not much to say alright yeah. Uh, Andrew. Uh, okay. First things first. Uh, Patrick Seitz as dorky, goth, goth nerd loser with a stuffed cat sock puppet who is actually, like, a really, like, handsome prince boy. It's, okay, it's... I didn't expect my manly man Patrick Seitz to be voicing a kid with too much money and time to go to Hot Topic, but I'm so <laughs> glad that this is something that exists, because that makes me very, very happy. It's so... He's such a dork and a loser, but he just wants to get his little sister to get his attention, but he's kind of this weird goth loser. And he doesn't know how to deal with that. Also, his maids are fucking terrible, by the way. He read some shoujo manga <laughs> shit, and now she knows what debauchery and reverse harems are. God none of damn. these, none of these people are fit to raise children. It's very sad. But when you have all the money in the fucking world, just let the sperm fly. Anyway, <sighs> honestly, you, that ki that kind of is integral to one of these characters plot lines but that's we'll get to that anyways i love patrick seitz as this character i'm glad i could hear him uh chris sabbat i adore bossa nova i love this character so much because he genuinely is this rude character but he's very emotional and he wants people to get his attention and that's why he wants to go to mori because how can more people like mori even though you're scary and it's like oh yeah he has the tiny little uh innocent child that is honey senpai but Casanova is great. Uh, I love him. I love his dynamic with Haruhi. I love that he actually is the one that discovers that and he has to deal with that and kill you. Just kind of like, you know what? Don't worry. We're going to make a shit ton of money out of all this yaoi bait. <laughs> and that man is a yep. business prodigy. God bless. Uh, Casanova, Chris Abbott is adorkable as this character he's very strong and powerful but he really just wants people to like him and he, i very much felt for this character and i want this character to have all the love and affection in the world which is the exact opposite i could say about eclair because eclair uh she's judging the world through binoculars that she takes in the shower and she is the arranged marriage because she's going to buy out and ruin some other people's companies and try to get uh, Tamaki's interest in her. Also, I think she's not in canon or something, but who cares? Uh, she, Colleen does a really good job at making her sound snooty, rich, and mean. Also, she kind of just is everything you don't want in a relationship that, oh, somebody else is calling, don't talk to them. I don't, that kind of controlling stuff is best up. But I enjoy uh, her performance as Eclair. Excellent. Um, roots. Uh, no. Itchy. 
Yes, I'm here. I can remember orders of people. Itchy. <laughs> so Patrick Sight's performance in this, I always envision a clone of Patrick Sight's putting his hand up the other Patrick Sight's ass and then talking out <laughs> like a puppet. That is how I see this. It's such a ridiculous, ridiculous <laughs> role that Patrick Sight's does for this. It's like almost a parody of all the Patrick Sight's roles where he's just so hammy, so over the top, and he's just this weird guy in a closet who just freaks out people for no reason. It's the best. It is hilarious, like, all the time. I wish he was in the show more, to be honest. Agreed. Hey, thank you for agreeing to do this episode. That was delightful. <laughs> Anyways. That's going to be on our next highlight reel. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> all right. And, Sorry, uh, continue. Christopher Sabat's, um, it's, it's basically... When I hear Christopher Sabat's voice, I'm always like, oh, that's Chris Sabat. And this is kind of the same, but uh, he definitely does a lot with the role. I feel like the character does go a long way, and I do kind of ship him and Haruhi together uh, towards the end when they're just together. <laughs> Even though that's like the weird gay uh, yaoi uh, subtext going on there. And I kind of Hey, that. man, crack ships are the best ones, man. Hey, hey, hey man, their proposed endpoint for that one is the one where uh, Haruki is the uh, Lady Yakuza boss of Japan. Oh that yeah, that's great. right. I watched that show in a heartbeat. So like, totally, that I'm was so you. badass. I kind of also want to see Haruki as a mob boss too. So I that would be awesome as shit. Then calling Clinkenbeard as Eclair. Um, I mean, it's it's like a nothing role at the end they just kind of haphazardly put this character in just to fill a role as a main villain just out of nowhere uh but i think she does well some of it um like towards the end i really like that they kind of turned the whole thing around where eclair actually talked with uh tamaki's mother and that they kind of insinuated that tamaki's mother kind of put this idea into her head of how good her son was in the end and that kind of got her to try to make Tamaki and his mother come together back in France. And that just didn't work out because she's just so forceful and so overbearing to him that it just won't work out between those two. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I quite enjoy all these characters. I think, as you mentioned, Patrick Sides is hilarious. Uh, he's given he's given the ways to sh- you know, he's given a chance to shine all the ways you already like him for, and also ways that he doesn't get to uh, play as much. And he's just a delight to listen to. Um, I also like Chris Savitt, uh, Christopher Savitt a lot as well for much the same reason. Um, you know, he's you know he's very funny, but he also gets the the kindness of the character. Uh, it's also just fun to uh, one of the is one of the few times Christopher Savitt can actually believably play a teenager because he usually sounds like you know he plays characters that sounds like the like thirty something year old man that he is. Um, and um, I, I thought Colleen did a good job with the character, even though there's not that much to it, Claire. I thought she did bring that right level of kind of icy, rich person haughtiness to the whole thing. So I was I was very happy all around. Um, so next we'll go to our, our next pair of characters, uh, <laughs> who are perhaps more exemplative of the stranger side of this show. We have uh, Rijio Fujioka, a.k.a. Ronka, who is Haruhi's dad and a professional crossdresser, I believe. Uh, and we have Masusu Sanada, who is Bronca's buddy, who's also a professional crossdresser and runs a bed and breakfast out in the country somewhere. Simply put, uh, they look, they make most ladies look to shame. They know how to work those clothes. Mm-hmm. This is true. Um, 
Uh, Ranka is played by Mike McFarlane, who I think is these days probably better known for his direction, but uh, you may hear him uh, acting in such places as he plays Kitaro Aman in Tokyo Ghoul. He's uh, Goe Ishikawa in Funimation's various Loop on the Third dubs. And uh, most uh, very recently, you would have heard him as Odebeck in Yuri on Ice. And uh, uh, Sonata is played by uh, Sunny Strait. Uh, who you would know from uh, such roles as uh, Maze Hughes in Fullmetal Alchemist and Koro-sensei in Assassination Classroom. Uh, gentlemen, what do we think of these roles? Hardy? Ooh, Kaiba Boy! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see it. Ooh, I get Tabe- mad, but you're, but you're right. <laughs> Ooh, Tabaki! Let me smash you up against the wall for touching my daughter! No, I mean, these two are just a bunch of Christmas hams that really are. Um... But honestly, I, Ronka is probably one of my favorite characters from the show because even though he is on the strange side, he uh, you can tell that he really, truly loves his daughter and wants nothing but the best of her. And um, the way Mike is able to play both this very... What's the word? It is stereotypically uh, effeminate because he is a transvestite. Um, yeah, it's supposed to be a man doing a woman's voice. That's how right. it's supposed to be portrayed. Yeah, it's, it is a bit on the stereotypical side, and I can see why some might not be comfortable with it. But at the same time, he's able to convey this real sense of warmth and love for his daughter uh, at where he genuinely cares and wants to see her uh, taken care of. And I think Mike is really able to go back and forth on sort of the craziness and the and the um, the uh sporadic behavior and also have the real genuine moments where it's just between him and Haruhi. I think that's there's a real sweetness between them. Um, they have definitely not the most typical uh, family situation but I mean the way they're able to make it work out really really is is sort of touching if i could say that the fact that she could go to school with her situation is actually kind of a testament to her skills as an academic right right and in sunny's case i actually didn't go back to rewatch this episode and so i could just assume it's just silly hamminess all around so you would be correct that's sunny straight in a nutshell why is sunny straight in a nutshell what kind of a nut has a shell this big Five refresher points for you, Hardy. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, Roots? Ham, 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 Lovely ham. How many hams? How many ham? <laughs> Shut up! I don't like ham! <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm getting ham, 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 eggs and ham. Oh, Lordy. We seem to have wandered to a Monty Python sketch, ladies and gentlemen. Please stand by. Nobody expects the ham position. Alright, alright. I I need to actually state my opinion, don't I? So, Tabaki, which one do you think carries coconuts faster? (laughs) Alright, alright. Getting back on track here. If you, if you roots, if you would like, um, I I really like them both. Um, Mike McFarlane. There are two sides to Haruhi's dad that you really kind of have to get right. It's um, you know, 
Ryuji Fujioka father figure, basically, you know, the, the male kind of persona who shows up in a couple of episodes, uh, mainly as he's basically trying to get Haruhi enrolled into this academy, and he plays it kind of somber and, and serious, and then, you know, then you get Ronka, who <clears throat> occasionally just shows up at random in the middle of the character's progression, and sometimes just is just there, and it's it's wild, it's hammy, and it's it's wonderful. And Sunny Straight as his friend is also <clears throat> I I didn't think I'd like it as much as I did, especially the whole refreshing points kind of thing. Excellent, um, Andrew. Uh, okay, so, Ronka, uh, and, aka, Mr. Fujioka, uh, he is a, the second he shows up, he's like, I'm back from work, and then he sees this blonde boy on top of his daughter, and the first thing he does, smacks his bitch ass to the wall and proceeds to be like, oh, hey, sweetie, what's going on? Not even giving a fuck about who he is or what the fuck he's doing. He's just like, you get the fuck off my girl, okay? Okay. No, uh, Ranka, uh, or Ryuji, is that his first name, Ryuji? Yes. Okay. Uh, Mr. Fujioka is a fantastic character who... I was surprised how much I was going to enjoy. He very much is a Mace Hughes-esque character, which, interestingly enough, if you mention the t them as two personas, Ranka is very much like the more eccentric Mace Hughes-esque character, where he's very doting and loving and talking about how great Haru is while being more eccentric and carefree. But when he's out of, out of costume... He genuinely is a very caring, supportive father. Like, he works at a uh, cross-dressing bar, but he does still work, and he does try his best to support Hari and be there for her. He's a really caring character. He knows when things are wrong with her. I love the final episode when he's like, uh, something's wrong. It's like, how can you tell something's wrong? You're not eating your breakfast. You haven't done that, like, since your mother died. He knows. He's smarter than he lets on, and he really cares and shows his support. And I really, really like that. Also, were they hinting that his wife was uh, a Lobelia uh, graduate? Yeah. I think they were hinting she yes. was... I, I don't... Yes. I, okay. I think they were implying at the very least she was a fangirl of the, uh, of the Zuka Club. Also, yes. also, since we're not going to be able to talk about it, the Alice episode hit me deep. I'm like, what the fuck? This is some dumbass stupid shit. But then as soon as they reveal the king and queen are her parents, and then they realize the queen is her mom, I'm like, oh! Here come the waterfall tears. You're playing dirty, show! You're playing dirty. Uh, anyways, uh, Mike McFarlane is fantastic as this character, and I'm so glad I could hear Buggy the Clown do this, yes. do this shit. It's so good. Uh, as for uh, Misuchi, or Mizuchi, uh, 
Sonny is just trying to run a business, but as soon as he realizes that, oh yeah, Harry's got a bunch of dumb, stupid, hot boys, I'm gonna get so much fucking money off of this. She knows what she's doing. So, she... Okay. Uh, Misuchi knows how to run a business. And I respect that. Uh, Sunny Strait is fantastic as this character. And I was pleasantly surprised and really had a lot of fun with their episode. Excellent. Uh, Itchy? So these two characters, uh, what I love about this show is that they basically have like a commentary on transvestites and how they should be treated in public, how they're normal, they're normal, just trying to dress how they want to feel. And I love that about this show that it's so open about this. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, Mark McFarlane's role in this is amazing because he he plays like the the most caring father who knows exactly what his daughter is going on with her life. He keeps in touch with like the, uh, the host club with uh, Toya and they, they even swap stories about how his, how his life is going with them. And that's just so amazing that this role is done so well to this realistic of a father figure, even though he's a woman like all the time. And that's so amazing. And then uh, Ronka, I mean, she he is just um, kind of a minor character, so it's very funny that he's always like, refresher points for you, hot boy, and refresher points for you, twins. And it's like, oh, you two aren't doing anything. Get out of here. Get off my property. <laughs> I have money to make. Go away. <laughs> Stop annoying the guests. Yeah, it's yeah. just two really, really good roles that fit the show perfectly, to be honest. I don't think I can see anyone else in those roles. Yeah, uh, I, I also enjoyed these roles a lot. Uh, Sonny Strait is delightful. He's given a chance to be as over-the-top and hammy as he wants to be, which is usually gives you good... You know, Sonny Strait's good at that. Uh, so he's, he's a delight during the episodes he's in. And uh, I also liked uh, Mike Farland a lot as well, mostly because I thought he did the... You know, sort of funny, silly side of the character very well. Uh, but Ronka does have a dramatic aspect. Uh, you know, that comes in a lot. And I thought he was also good at handling that that side of it as well and actually selling it on the more sincere emotional parts, particularly between him and Haruhi. So, big fan of both all around. Uh, and now we're going to get to the real meat of the episode. Here we have the host club itself. Too many the- boys will spoil the broth. <laughs> not not a clearly not according to the ladies of Oran High School Academy, because <laughs> they, they are is they are clearly very very popular. I've always wondered: do the boys hate the host club, or are they just like you know what? That's what I want to be. Gen- unclear. I know it's unclear. We'll add that answered in the season two, which is never. There's no. There's not going to be a season two. There will never be a season two. Gonna, if there's going to be a season two, it would have come out already. I Moment don't of silence. What Todd Haberkorn says at conventions, there is no go. There's no season two. Okay, we won't point figures. It's just take a moment of silence for season two. Never, even though this is such a good show. God damn it! All right, continue. I'm sorry. Uh, anyways, uh, so we're going to get to the host club itself, and uh, to start off, 
we're going to go with uh, the shortest and the tallest member of the host club. I speak, of course, uh, Mitsukuni Hanizuka, a.k.a. Honey, and Takaishi Morinozuka, a.k.a. Mori. Uh, Honey is played by Lucy Christian, uh, who you would best know for uh, stuff like uh, uh, Yukari... Oh, wonderful, I can't read my notes. Uh, Yukari Tanizaka in Azamanga Daio. Uh, you know her for playing um, Kanema Chidori in Full Metal Panic, and more recently she's playing uh, Achikora Urahaka in My Hero Academia, which I don't think I knew originally, which is weird because I was on that episode. Oh well. Memory's <sighs> a great thing. To be uh, fair, and it's been a while. It has been a while. <laughs> and uh, Mori is played by Travis Willingham, uh, who you know for uh, playing Roy Mustang in Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, Porkas Dias in One Piece, Ginkgo and Mushishi, and lots of video games these days. Uh, he does he does some anime still, but not so much. Um, but anyways, gentlemen, uh, how do we think of uh, money? Uh, money, well, money, and money, and <laughs> money and hoary. We've uh, got boy. to have honey. Uh, spoonerism strikes again. What do we think of honey and Mori? Hardy. Well, first of all, for this show, I think Travis Willingham pretty much had the easiest role in the entire dub because he only says oh, yeah. like one like one thing per episode. In some episodes, he doesn't even speak. Um, but yeah, he Oop. does. He the does prove otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like he has more lines in the outtakes. Really? Yeah. But yes. uh, he he does his job. He um, he sounds good as Maury for when Maury actually speaks. And uh, he's able to give him that sort of, you know, very quiet, stoic, dos- uh, taciturn feeling, and yet still put a little bit of warmth in there when need be. Um, as far as Honey is concerned, is there something wrong? Does he have a congenital defect or something like that? Because he's 17 years old and he looks like he's eight. That's a good question, actually. I, I usually just chalk it up to it's funnier that way, right. and or dramatic, depending on the episode. Is it sort of uh, like a reverse Umaru-chan sort of thing, to where he grows into a like full adult when he's not goofing around or whatever? Anyways, Lucy no. plays it. Lucy <laughs> Here's my theory, made... is that Honey is a Saiyan. He's like Goku. <laughs> he starts out short until he hits like 18 or 19, then he like bruh, just goes up really high. And then he gets blonde hair and goes Super Saiyan. But he already right. has blonde hair. Like, does that mean he was born with it? Or is he, like, the Gohan of this world? <laughs> Maybe it's Maybelline. Well, he's certainly strong He's certainly strong enough to be a Saiyan, for one You're thing. Right. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Holy shit. But anyways, yeah, he looks, like, he looks like a child. And so, therefore, Lucy plays him as a child. And I think she makes him sound really cute and sweet and adorable. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's basically it. Um, he's a weird character for sure, but she brings a lot of life and energy to it. And you got to love Honey and his little Usachan doll. So. Usachan! Yeah. And some of the best parts are when you see the twins fighting and they're throwing things back at forth at each other and just honey you see honey just fly through the air sort of nonchalantly honey. Yeah, I, like, I like that I like that one in the end where they're fighting in the cafeteria and first honey flies by and then maury's like oh no and then he starts flying around as well <laughs> honey honey don't give a fuck except when you fuck with his sweets or his usachan oh, or yeah. if you try to wake him up 
Oh man, that was a horror show episode. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, these these two do a good job, and uh, I like the performances. Okay, excellent. Uh, Roots. All right, so I'm gonna start with the character who's doesn't quite have the same number of lines as everybody else. Uh, Mori. I kind of. I can't say I like it. I can't say I don't because there's just not a lot there. But hey, I get to talk about Travis Willingham on this show, so you know what? That's a win in my book. That's right because we very rarely get to talk about him. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Welcome to the show, Travis. I mean, you well, know, that's not that's not true. That's yeah, not true. Tiger and Bunny. We, we don't get to talk about him in a lot of current stuff anymore since he's been very busy in a lot of animation and video games. But he's a great eight actor. Right. It's good to talk about him. It's awesome to talk about him. But, um, yeah, I I do like the sort of stoic side of Mori, but, again, not a lot of lines to, to work with here. So, Honey, on the other hand, you know, honestly... I'm typically not a fan of Lucy Christian's little boy voice, but it works here because, you know, Maury's supposed, or I'm, I'm sorry, not Maury, Honey, is sort of the, supposed to sort of be the, the little kid. And, you know, like Hardy said, I kind of imagine Honey to be a normal sized high schooler in real life, and it's just the manga and anime portraying him as a little kid for comedic storytelling purposes. <clears throat> I don't think they ever actually say his height, so I don't know. What's funny is that he's actually technically, if you, spoilers for the manga, um, he's actually technically the first one to get married. Oh, really? Yep. <laughs> That's Good actually well, interesting. Then. But, um, Back to Honey's voice in particular. Um, uh, I I do like that there's sort of the the cheery bubbly side, and then sort of the the Majin Buu, you piss me off now die mode. And uh, I I think Lucy Christian played both of those really really well. Excellent, uh, Andrew. Okay, so, uh, Honey and Mori. Uh, Mori is the silent, stoic, but very sweet character. Uh, he's very shown often to be caring and gives a shit about Honey as well as his other friends. Like, it's actually pretty interesting to see, like, when he does, uh, excuse me, when he does get moments with Haruhi, I think it's in the, uh, the Water Park episode, which has alligators and stuff, to which Kyoya is just like, oh yeah, we wanted to test if there were alligators or not. Thanks, guys. What the fuck? Uh, Mori is a very interesting character, but he's the stoic badass, which is exactly what they're going for, which is why it's interesting and enjoyable for both the audience and the patrons to see the tall, stoic, manly man with the tiny little uh, adorkable child that is Honey. <coughs> uh, I, I like Travis William and Ham as Maury when he does get to show his stuff. It's a very good, bold, strong voice. That's what Travis has, and it works really well 
poor Mori. Hani Senpai, uh, Lucy Christian is amazing as this one, because it is straight up going for a hardcore, like, very, like, cutesy, feminine voice, which is why I think it works. I, th I think the reason why Lucy, when you were mentioning about how Lucy, you don't like her little boy voice, I think the reason that works is because it doesn't really sound like it's going for a little boy voice. It's just going for full-on cutesy without being too completely feminine. Like, it it's hard to explain, but this character is adorable, sweet, and charming. But man, Honey is a badass. Like, I was not expecting this character to be considered a weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> and that's why it's Whoa. funny. Yeah, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, what the shit, this is happening. Oh my god, it was fucking amazing. Like, I, and also, Honey gets actually really scary when he's cranky and like, I want to go, I need my nap. And also kind of gets some oh shit moments as soon as uh, Tamaki's grandma comes into the picture. As soon as just the line delivery of, I hate that woman. Like, oh, oh, hello. Shit's going down. So yeah, that's a thing. Uh, Lucy's fantastic as Honey. I really enjoyed her a lot and she was fun. Excellent. Um... Itchy. So yeah, these two characters work really great as a pair. Mori's just the silent stoic type. It's it's like pitch perfect for that role. I mean, it's not a lot to do in the role, but it works really well for the uh, lines that he's given. And then Honey altogether brings it to just another level because they work so well off each other. Honey's like the cute, cute little girl or cute little girl voice for a little boy. And Mori's just like, come on, let's go. And it, it just works really well with both of them together. And I, I love Lucy Christian in this role because it reminds me so much of Tenma from uh, School Rumble. And that voice is like, it's like a few meters down from that voice. And it sounds so similar and it, it's really great. I love both of these roles. They work so well together. Excellent. Um, I also enjoy these two roles very well. Uh, Travis isn't getting a lot to do, but uh, he does nail the kind of stoic seriousness when he needs to. I particularly enjoyed the bit where he's trying to explain how Honey will clearly throw this fight to show what an adult he is, and he's just so horribly disappointed when it doesn't go that way. <laughs> no, it's true. Honey does like sweets more than his own brother. Womp womp. Boop, 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 um, boop. So, I, <laughs> so I enjoy him a lot. I enjoy him a lot, and uh, I really enjoy Lucy Christian as Honey. She just goes for, like, what if a blob of sugar became a person? <laughs> and it's just a blob of sugar that was also a person. Uh, how sweet can I make this? And uh, she's just delightful because she's so, like, preposterously cutesy without getting too annoying. And, you know, could also kind of change it up into, like, oh, that's right, Honey can kill us all if he wanted to. <laughs> Whoops! Guess we shouldn't have spilled tea on his rabbit. Yeah, don't, I don't know what, I, that ever. I don't know which I like better—that they're freaking out so much about it, or that I think Haruhi comes up with such a lame brain explanation for what happened. No, and it he's was just Mori. like, oh, okay, sorry, yeah, Mori. Thank Mori. Mori comes up with such a lame explanation. It's like, oh, okay. It's like you didn't even have to try. Y'all were like, there was brown in your pants, and like Let all us... you had to do was just be like, oh yeah, that happened. 
Whoops. Um, so yeah, I enjoy these two a lot. They're uh, an absolute blast. Um, next up, we have the uh, the uh, devilish twins of the host club getting in all sorts of naughty shenanigans to the light of all the girls. We have oh my. Uh, Hikaru, <laughs> exactly. We have Hikaru Hachin and Karu Hachin, which is which? Well, that's for you to help. Fi- that's for you to figure out. Uh, Hikaru is played by Todd Habercorn, who you'd know for such roles as Kerro and Sergeant Frog, uh, Death the Kid and Soul Leader, and Natsu in Fairy Tale. And uh, Kaoru is played by Greg Ayers, who you would know uh, as um, Son Goku and Sayuki, which has come back somehow. I don't know how. Mm-hmm. Um, Kaoru Yamazuka, and welcome to the NHK. Uh, and a character in Five Brain whose name is Rook Banjo Crossfield. I haven't seen Five Brain. I just wanted to say that phrase because <laughs> that's a that's a hell of a name right there. That is a name indeed. Oh, that's that's what? up there with Leopard Solid as far as poor. And I assume it was a poor attempt at English naming conventions. Are we sure Tomino didn't work on Five Brain? It is Sunrise know, after all. I don't know, man. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> But anyways, enough of my enough of my dumb jokes. Uh, gentlemen, what do we think of these roles, Hardy? I just found it amazing that both of them were able to match the exact pace of addiction of each other's lines at the exact same time. Because it, it is go sorry, go on. No, no, no. If you want to comment, by all means. No, I was just say it is like amazing and a little disturbing at the same time. It's like oh wow. Yeah, it's like they were talking wow. at the exact same. Like they're attached to the hip, almost as if. Because you have to remember, these people record separately from one another. Uh, unlike in Japan, a lot of times where they'll record at the same time. But Todd and Greg both had to record separately. And the fact that they were able to time their speech patterns so closely to each other to where it is exact is just absolutely amazing. And I have to give that uh, give more credit to Caitlin Glass on the director's part in order to make that done. Anyways, um... As far as character is concerned, Hikaru was always kind of just the, I don't know, something rubbed me the wrong way about him. He's more of the sassy bitch than his brother is, and he's very ill-tempered and uh, and sort of, um, I don't know, argumentative, always wants to start fights, whereas Kaoru is more laid back and calm. Uh, they're both little brats, to be perfectly honest, easily. Um and I think that they both complement each other very well. You can't really talk about one without talking about the other. Uh, if you had... I, I really don't think that... I think it was perfect casting on their part. I think they... If you had changed one of them out for another actor, it wouldn't have been the same. So, mm. yeah. I think that you when you talk about both performances, you have to talk about both of them at the same time. Because they complement each other so well. Yeah, I agree, definitely. Um, uh, Roots? Yeah. Like Hardy said, I'm I'm really impressed with the, uh, with the synchronization. I imagine that both of the actors doing it separately kind of helped in that respect. Because you could... Li- you know, Greg could listen to Todd's lines a couple times and then get it synchronized right and vice versa. Uh, I do also really like the fact that they do, in fact, have their own distinct personalities that you, the viewer, can pick out pretty quickly. Uh, <clears throat> Hikaru's sort of the... He doesn't quite get relationships, and he's a 
bit more of a selfish brat than his brother. And, uh, Kaoru's sort of, like Hardy said, the laid-back brother. But both of them sort of have a devilish side, and I... I really have to give props to, uh, Todd and Greg for getting that out of the characters. That said... I'm honestly not a fan of either of their younger voices. <clears throat> okay. Hmm. They... I... I'm assuming they're supposed to be like eight or nine years old in the flashbacks, and they sound way too old. Of course, okay. That's fair. Um, anything else? Uh, no, that'll do it. Okay. Um, Andrew. Uh, okay, so... I... When I started this show, I'd probably say these of the group were my least favorite characters. And... Thinking on it now, I'd probably say maybe at least Hikaru is still my least favorite. But... Boy, were these characters a trip. Like, I I was like, oh, oh, oh boy, we're doing some Lobelia shenanigans. Oh, Harry's in a play. Oh, no, she's going to get kissed by another girl. We have to stop that. What's next episode? We're going into their tragic flashback about the fact that nobody can realize the fact and tell them apart from each other that gives them dissociative identity disorders, makes them self-conscious, makes them close people out, makes them shove people away, and the torment and personal dickishness that was these characters until their personal growth, which was, boy, this is a fucking whiplash of an arc. Um, yeah. No one does mood whiplash quite like Aurons. Man, I was not expecting that. <laughs> Anyways, uh... Hikaru and Karu are very interesting characters that really grew on me a lot in this show. But, man, it's kind of hard. It's easy to see what being isolated and kind of unsure of what to do with yourself does to a person. Like, or what does to people. Because they're very much like, they want people to not notice them, but they also want people to notice them. And it's weird. And I think... I, uh, I should probably start talking about the performances. Uh, Todd Habercorn, I really like him being this snooty little shit as uh, Hikaru. And Greg, I also like being the more sensitive and emotional snooty little shit that is uh, Karu. And Karu probably became one of my favorite characters at the turn of the uh, summer vacation stuff. Because he really cares about his brother. Which... By the way, I'd like to play out... I like the fact that the show acknowledges the brother-boy-love incest thing is basically more or less <laughs> them doing a bit than that's what they actually think. Like, I appreciate that they themselves kind of acknowledge this is what we do to get customers. The ladies love it. But or, as it's, them... or as it's said in the show, twincest. Exactly. Where it's, <laughs> but the actuality of it is that they've always been together and had nobody else so like when they were by themselves all they had was each other so it makes that kind of like the the character and the bit of oh boy the ladies love when guys do gay stuff 
but no, it's actually like kind of tragic and really interesting. Uh, I enjoyed both Todd and Greg, but I think Greg I enjoyed a little bit more, just both him and his character, but Hikaru's really interesting as well. I quite was pleasantly surprised by his performance and his emotional range. I liked these shitty, shitty little <laughs> twins who I feel so bad for. Indeed. Um, itchy. So yeah, when I started watching the show, I honestly could not tell these two characters apart because they're twins, obviously, but that they match so well in their vocal range. And only as I got further, I, st I started to notice like, oh, wait, that's Todd Africorn. I know him from stuff it's like, oh, that's Greg Ayers with his whiny little voice. And I just thought that um, they work so well as a twin dynamic because they have such similar personalities and yet even after the middle of the show when they start to kind of diverge from their own goals and start to kind of separate from each other uh, that works so well with these two actors um, because they just sound so similar honestly most of the time to me and that works just amazingly with the twin dynamic that they got going on so would you say that twin cest is wincest as a great man once no. said, yes. As a great <laughs> professor once said, yes. Oh, man, I, I put my money in the pool that we wouldn't say that this episode. You know, Dang I it. kind of... <laughs> I should have put money down on that, fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I also enjoy these uh, these roles uh, a lot. Uh, I agree a lot with Hardy. I think the casting on this was excellent. I think they did a wonderful job of picking two actors who sound similar enough that they, you know, you entirely buy, oh, these are twins, but who are different enough that even, I think even early on, if you're, you know, well-versed enough in other voices, you can, you can distinguish them from one another. They don't just sound like a pair of clones uh, talking to each other. And I think they just both do a wonderful job, um, you know, both for, like, again, they do the silly comedy bits, but when the heavy stuff starts, starts coming, uh, they can nail that, too. Uh, and also, I'm very happy they joined the host club because they had just ugly, ugly haircuts before that. Oh, just, God, oh, they were terrible. Those, who who let them walk out of, like, you're rich people. Aren't you supposed to be better dressed than this? Ugh. Terrible. Also, their maids are hot, by the way. That's unrelated. Well, every, everyone's maids are hot. You're right. Even <laughs> even goth prince himself. It's like, ooh, goth, goth maid. Me like you. Also, their thief maid was really cool. Okay, okay. Wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait. wait. I forgot about that. Can we talk about that? Sure. Holy shit. The fact that, like, the only people they liked as kids was the one maid that tried to steal from them, probably did steal from them, and held a knife in their face. But they're like, at least she was honest. Like, man, you kids were some shining-ass bullshit when you were young. Also, what the fuck was up with that maid? Like... I kind in a weird way, I almost thought, like, wait, is that, like, somebody, is that somebody's mom or something? Is that Haruhi's mom? No, I think this is just the weird, the weird world of the super rich, where crap like your, you know, way of being a super thief, it just happens occasionally. I, I, either way. What I, you gonna do? That was a surprising, like, oh, hey, lady, you have a knife, and the twins are like, hey, let's play. We don't understand. Our lives are in danger. <laughs> but it's okay. No, we have it stored in our piggy bank. She'll never break it. <laughs> She'll never find out where it is. It's perfect. This is, this is why you shouldn't shelter your children, people. Man. It leads to things like this. You 
really should have. Yeah. Um, Life is fun. We get to play with knives. <laughs> what you got in your hand? A knife! No! 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 I love how we all knew what that was from. It was a... <laughs> Any, anywho. Man, that's like twice the danger of the twins where it's just like, Alright, there's this apple on your head. And I have this semi-caliber rifle. Let's see what happens. Oh boy! Hi, Bobby. we're the Hitachi. Hi, we're the Hitachi twins. Welcome to Jackass. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, oh, no. that didn't change when they grew up. No, no. Because they they do that whole dye their hair thing too. The only yep. the only real thing that like I'll say this of the romantic rivals. Hikaru is the is the silver medal when it comes to Haruhi. And like Karu, I can't tell if he's interested. I, I don't think he is, but it's very clear Hikaru very much is. Which is an interesting separation of the two characters because it's like they're always together or always joined at the hip. And it's like they around the time he starts realizing, oh wait, I like Ake Haruhi. Why is she friends with somebody else that's not us? That Karu's like, oh wait. You like her, and he's like trying to help her, and that's a really interesting beginning of their arc. From that's what I under, from what I understand in the manga, Kaoru did have a crush on her, but Hikaru was more important to him than she was. So, mm, that is really uh. interesting. Good man, what a good brother, best brother. <laughs> and honestly, if I gotta be serious, in regards to my best boy of the series, it's between two, and one of them is Kaoru. Mm -hmm. I do have to say though since we're kind of on the subject right now I actually do kind of like the fact that this is sort of a reverse harem but the affections of the characters to Haruhi is basically in the background like this is about character arcs and progression and like the actual romance side, other than, like, Tamaki, is is basically somewhere else that shows up every once in a while, but that's not what the show is about. Mm-hmm. It's mostly, like, comedy and legitimately interesting, like, character arcs. Yeah, I occasionally forget that Oran is technically a rom like a romance comedy because it's like, no, this is just like silly Looney Tunes jokes and then some pathos pops up occasionally. Like, there what romance? There is so many times it's just, oh, hey, banana peel, how the fuck you get there? And then, <laughs> uh, oh, this, well, this chimpanzee very happened to happen to pass by and throw it there, that's why. That's and then funny. obvious arrow, uh, audience, please pay attention to this. <laughs> audience, oh, <yeah>. hello. <laughs> you know... Japan seems to have like a chimpanzee problem. They they might want to look into that. Hmm. Well, who's the who's the man that's got to wrangle all these apes together? That's a good question. But I know someone who might be able to find us out, Ooh. find out for us in our next set of characters. Uh, we have uh, Kyoka Otari, who's sort of the business finance manager of the club, and. Not an official member of the host club, but an important hanger-on, uh, Renge Hoshikaiju, who's basically a fangirl who starts hanging out with them because uh, she knows a lot about what their audience wants, and also she has a powerful motor hidden under their room that she needs <laughs> to rise up on a platform. strongest motor in the world! Where and it's portable. Powerful motor. 
Where Powerful it motor. It, it is conveniently installed in every single room that it needs to be. It's just there. Renge is very yes. thorough when it comes to her powerful Science! Motors. The girl yes. knows what the she show... wants when she wants it. Because her whole thing is like, oh, there's this really pretty boy with glasses. Later, Dad! Gonna get me some dick! Yes, and the plane literally flies out from under the building. <laughs> And like she had an airplane hangar built directly below the window in some impossible to achieve shot. I mean, <laughs> I don't think Ringe pays attention to physics. Does this nope. show even pay attention to that? She Not at all. Phys physic physics is for poor people. <laughs> now, who are our physicians? Screw the rules. I have money. Uh, well, I mean, yes, you're correct. Um, Kyoya is played by Jay Michael Tatum, who you would know for such roles as Rintaro uh, Okabe in Steins Gate, Frederick Barnaby in Empire of Corpses, and uh, currently you can see him playing Tenya Ida in My Hero Academia. And uh, Renge Hoshikaiju is played by Monica Rial, who's been in like 8 billion things, uh, but uh, uh, you may have seen her in such stuff as playing uh, Nyamo uh, in Azumanga Daio, uh, Tsuya in My Hero Academia, and she's currently playing Sakura in Car Captor Sakura Clear Card. Yeah. Don't loot the froggo. Don't. Don't, <laughs> don't loot the frog. Don't do it. Don't be a creep. Um, but what do we think of these roles? Uh, Hardy. Yes. Um, personally, I don't really think J. Michael Tatum plays Kiyoya. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's is. very much just is. a very much Bryn A. Yeah, I think it's very much Bryn April Hikari situation to where this is basically, he basically is Kuyoya. Like, this role was written for him, specifically. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like a one-for-one -one sort of situation. Like, he could basically cosplay as Kuyoya. He's a, he's a bit of a bigger guy than Kuyoya is in real life. But, I mean, it's like one-for-one -one similarity. It just fits perfectly for his personality. Um, and Renge is crazy. Uh, she, well, yeah, look she cray at her. cray. Yeah, no, I like how Monica plays her. Sort of the uh, I got a lot of. Well, I mean, this whole show gives me a whole lot of revolutionary girl Utena flashbacks from yeah. the mysterious pointing arrows and all the twirling flower petals. It's basically like a revolutionary girl Utena without the sword fights and more goofy comedy. Mm. Yeah, still plenty gay in both shows, but um, oh yes, oh yeah, but uh, but yeah, I liked how she was able to play Renge with sort of that oh ho, 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 sort of um, attitude that uh, that you see in other characters like uh, Naga from Slayers or um, or uh, like half the or Karen Konzaki from Street Fighter Five. Yeah, it's she's a whole lot of fun to listen to, especially when she goes crazy and her hair turns into Medusa and and she assigns everyone character arcs yeah I, I think i think she did a really really fun fantastic job also speaking of oran and utana uh both have girls kissing each other so oh yes lots of that <laughs> very nice oh yes remember haruhi's first kiss was literally like oh yeah i uh for as the reward to this couple where it's like they they realize they're into each other but they're kind of stupid and don't realize that it's like oh she gets a kiss on the cheek. Banana. Oh, no. We, we, there's tongue now. Oops. Banana. Darn those yeah. chimpanzees, man. 
there. Somebody's got to yeah. wrangle up those chimpanzees. Yeah, you uh, you don't see it as much these days, but there's very much a period where like the 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 shadow of Utena and shoujo anime stretch long and wide, and uh, Oran's very much a part of that. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. All right. Anyways, um, are you done, Hardy? Yes, yes, I'm done. Yes, cool. Um, uh, roots. All right. Uh, 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 can't remember his character's name. Kyoya. 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 Yeah. That's this guy. He's one of my favorite characters of the show. Like, he's just that scary, cold, but, you know, has a heart underneath it all, but you just have to dig to find it. Like, I, I really like that scary, effective... He, he's the financier of the, of the host club, and he, he does it with such precision. And I like the end of his character arc probably the best set of anyone's of of the show's story arc. I, I don't know how far things go in the manga. Where he basically... He's basically the third banana to his brothers. Continuing in the tradition of banana puns. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, he's basically assured that he is never going to inherit the company unless he does something big. And then his dad's company, the the buyout we mentioned earlier, I think we mentioned it earlier, but... Um, yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, um, Eclair is basically threatening to buy it out. So, what does Kiyoya do? He undercuts her. He buys out his dad's company. And then... <laughs> In a fit of passive aggression, he gives it back. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Dad. <laughs> such a good moment. And uh, as for Renge, like, I, I've got a thing for Ojo-samas. That, that's that's the term for it, right? The, 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 the really Ojo-sama. The really rich... With the, the oh-ho-ho-ho. Yeah. Woo -hoo -hoo -hoo. But, yeah. <laughs> Like, I, I really like her character, too. It's, uh... You gotta wonder where that motor, that powerful motor comes from. <laughs> but, I, uh... I like that she's the one who's basically aware of all of the tropes that the boys are trying to convey in the host club. And she's basically trying to amplify it even further. And especially the episode with, um, with Ritsu. Kasunoda. Kasunoda. Yeah, because she's like, what is this? My radar is going off the charts. My How gaydar. can this be? <laughs> yep. And also, any time Monica Rial has to talk about Moe, it just gave me a chuckle. <laughs> Moe! <laughs> The flames of Moe. Remember, remember, remember when Moe still had to be explained to people? It was that new. Yeah. yeah. Oh, those are the days. Know what Moe is anymore? We had to sit through hours and hours of Moe Moe schoolgirl harem shows. <laughs> well, back in my day, we didn't have a word for cute characters doing cute things. Dag it. 
See, now we actually have, like, really good, like, Moe Slice of Life stuff that's also really good, like, emotional character drama and development, too. So, we've evolved past the point of where everybody's eyeballs are a third of their eyes and nobody does nothing. <sighs> Anyways, I think, is it my time to talk about these characters? Yeah, yeah, I'm all yes. set, Andrew. Okay. Go ahead. Want to make sure. Uh, remember what I said, uh, Karu... Karu is one of my two candidates for best boy. Kelly is my <laughs> other one. Because he is the one that gets shit done. He's, well, Kyoya has an advantage. He's the only one who's not as dumb as a rock. He's the only one that's kind of not, like, stupid because he's hot. He's, like, basically most of them can get away with being dumb idiots because they're hot. He's the one where it's like he has to work for it because... All of this wouldn't be able to happen. You couldn't literally do cosplay outfits every single episode. They change every single episode. It's kind of crazy. Because without all these finances and all this planning and all these business tactics and making all this stuff work, he knows how to make the coin work and get people to do what he needs to. He's got... That's why he, how uh, Ranka knows about oh, Haruhi because he's like, oh yeah, I got pictures. Also, I, got, I can blackmail you all because I know how cute she was in middle school. He has contacts in high places and it's scary. But he's a really interesting character and I like that he's always self-conscious and like kind of has to deal with being in the shadow of his other brothers. And real another thing, he's kind of also like seemingly more sinister than you think uh because remember the beach house thing where it's like oh yeah hey Harry, don't mind me i'm shirtless <laughs> whatever and he pushes her down on the bed and that Haruhi's not even afraid she's like you ain't gonna do nothing you have nothing to gain from this so you're not gonna do anything and it's like, yo, that's calling a bluff hardcore. Also, what was up with that? I wasn't sure, but that was surprising. Anyway, for the um, fan service. It was a really interesting moment, but Kyoya is a really interesting character. Tatum basically is playing this character like pretty much entirely just based around like him, and it's great. Uh, like. Tatum, perfect. As for Renge, uh, Monica Rial is stupendous as Renge. Um, she pretty much exudes energy, enthusiasm, craziness, aimingness. I was also told people actually are kind of annoyed by Renge, and I'm like, who would not like Renge? And then I realized the people who are like Renge, because Renge is just the most like absurdly otaku, like into all these tropes and stuff. And she knows all of this, and I feel like people... She is a parody of all of that, and I feel like people would be like, oh, that, that hits a little too close to home or something. So yeah, um, I think I could see why people would be annoyed at her, but I think she's hilarious and amazing. Like, she exudes full Monica-ness, if that is a thing. But I think she does a fantastic job as Renge. All right, excellent. Uh, Itchy? Uh, when I think of Kyuya, um, basically when I think of that character, uh, J. Michael Tatum is like the exact voice I think of, and whenever I hear J. Michael Tatum on like any other role, I'm like, oh, it's that voice he did from Overon High School, and that vo that voice of his is like so perfect for that, and I, and uh, Renge, 
I honestly don't like Renge a lot. Um, I know blasphemy. Sorry, guys. No, no, like, I, I, I right. can see people being annoyed by her, but I thought she was hilarious. Yeah, she definitely helps a lot with uh, some of the exposition to get out of the way in case people don't know a lot about shoujo manga and how a lot of the tropes go. She's definitely very helpful there. Um, but, I mean, these roles are just perfect for these voice actors. Like, Monica Rial, she does, like, the... the it's Like, I don't want to say that she's annoying or anything, but it's kind of like that pitch-perfect of annoyance where it just kind of... She's the doting fangirl who just kind of gets on your nerves a little bit because she's, like, overbearing and wants to explain every little thing about everything <laughs> in a fandom. And then, of course, J. Michael Tatum is just perfect as that voice. As I said, it's... I can't hear it without hearing J. Michael Tatum because he and him, he and Kuya are just so in sync and so, like, the same character. I just can't hear it without him. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh... I think uh, Tatum's perfectly cast in this role. He is just excellent. I think this might have been, if not the first thing I ever heard him, at least one of them. Uh, and his always stay with me is one of the, my favorite performances of his. He's just so spot on uh, and just embodies the character so well. Uh, and I also, I, I, I enjoy Renge. I find her mania funny more than annoying. Uh, and I think Monica Real also nails all the right points there. I'm just bringing all this like ludicrous excitement to this character who she's just sort of like a weird gremlin who pops up to explain things because you dummies don't understand. Stand in awe of my powerful motor as I explain <laughs> to you. She's great. It's a very powerful motor. It's, it's a very powerful motor. Everything. It's stalled throughout the high school and elsewhere. Um, but now uh, we shall get on to one of our two main leads, I'd say, although this is a very ensemble-based show. Uh, we have the leader of the host club, Mr. Mr. Blonde, the blonde one, Mr. Mr. Frenchie himself, Tomic, uh, Tomiki Suo, uh, who is played by Vic Mignana, who I don't, not, I don't know, do you need to introduce Vic Mignana these days still? Uh, you know, he's, yeah. he's Edward, no. he's Edward Elric. You may have heard of him. I'm being, I'm being a little facetious. <laughs> Um, he's Edward Elric in Full Metal Alchemist. He uh, was cast as Matt in the Digimon Tri movies, to I believe some controversy on our end. Uh, currently, I believe you can hear him playing uh, Makazuki Munichika in Token Rambu Hanamaru, which I imagine Megan's very excited that's come back. Um, but, uh, gentlemen, what do we think of Vic's performance as the leader and the uh, reason this entire uh, show exists in the world of the show? Uh, Hardy? Preparing for this episode. I actually went onto A and N's forums from oh, ten God. years ago. Oh God! Back <laughs> oh, in two thousand eight. Get get the raw info straight from the source. Right, uh, when they first announced the cast for the show, and I read some of the initial reactions from ten years ago uh, that were posted on the forums, and even then people were complaining about Vic being cast as Tamaki. Really? It's like, yes, even then. Because when you have an overexcited, silly, goofy, blonde character in an anime, especially if they're voiced by Mama Rubiano for some reason, it always tends to go to Vic. Even ten years ago, it tended to be that. 
and that was just the that's just what happened it happened a lot uh in the adv days it happened a lot in the early funimation days it's even back then vic had dug this niche for himself to where he played that type of character listening to this now there is a very good reason he plays that type of character because i honestly think tamaki is his best role he's ever done yes that includes edward elric those are strong words but i could not think of anyone else who could properly do this justice because he is fantastic as tamaki and he nails all the right points and haters be damned i just i think he's he's great i can't argue with that to be honest mm-hmm. uh brutes so i'll start off by saying that this isn't quite brotherhood ed good but it's definitely up there among Vic's probably best roles of his career and, you know, it, it's saying that, that, you know, <clears throat> this may have been the thing that kind of pigeonholed him into a niche. Like, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, the, uh, <clears throat> well, again, I, I really like him as Tamaki, but I, I really feel like this kind of solidified him in the the pretty boy character for <clears throat> even even now occasionally but god this this is a hard thing to put to words you think it was to to actors detriment in in the long run yes because hmm. because yeah because when we made predictions for show by rock Literally everyone picked him for Shuzo because Shuzo is pretty much Tomaki with a yeah right. Shuzo's pretty much Tomaki uh, with a ears and a tail. So right, and I I do have to say now that I'm kind of glad he's exploring the full range of his voice with uh, with BL's above in Rage of Bahamut, and as you well know as a couple others yeah. My personal opinions on the accent of Fei Long from Garo Vanishing Line aside, I really do like his old man voice for that and Crimson Moon. Oh. But, um... Yeah, looking back on this, because, you know, full disclosure, I was gonna... I was gonna say this in Final Thoughts, but now might be a good time. Uh... Usually the rules of a Dub Talk Classics episode are at least two of the members who are a part of it need to have not watched the show before. And I I am the I am the other person alongside Andrew who hadn't watched the show back in 07, 08. So it, it's really interesting watching this now, ten years later. Where, you know, Vic Mignogna is one of the bigger voice actors in the anime industry now, and he's actually figured out ways to diversify his vocal range. So, it... 
It's really interesting to see that now, but I do think... I do think Tamaki kind of delayed that a little bit. Okay. I, I see what you're getting at. I see what you're getting at. Alright. <clears throat> so. Can I go? Yes. Mm, go ahead. Alright. Uh, Tamaki. This was a character I was not sure what I was going to think of about how I felt about him. But honestly was kind of surprised at the direction and how much I ended up liking him in the end because it's he's very much the arrogant princely type and he's very much the hot boy but what's very clear is that he is just kind of a he is a golden retriever he's a golden retriever in that he is very pretty he's very blonde he's a dopey stupid stupid idiot but he's loyal and loving and like he could not be sweeter like everybody thinks oh god like he's got some sort of agenda he's got something up his sleeve or he's too perfect and he just he just is a nice kid he just genuinely does care about these people in his club he cares about Haruhi a lot genuinely it's really interesting and he is the reversal of the senpai notice me thing because the senpai is trying so hard to be noticed he's trying so hard to be noticed he's really interesting but he's really good Vic's really good at being the princely character he's really good at being like hot sounding or very like get your attention but he's also like extremely extremely outrageous and hilarious in the more cartoonish moments and it's really interesting and I'm surprised how much I ended up liking this character. I thought he was going to annoy me. Alright, uh, Itchy? Um, so yeah, Tamaki um, is a character that's like so over the top. He calls himself daddy all the time. <laughs> he is just such, yep. such a precocious little boy who just loves his little daughter so much. It is like the most darling little role. And then to have it be played by Vic Mignogna... It's just such a revelation to see him going from Edward Elric to this lovable little goofball who just will not stop dotting about Haruhi and tries to put her in like all these dresses, all these outfits. He's like, oh my gosh, it's so cute. I, I love this character that he plays. It's, it is definitely one of my favorite Vic Mignogna roles. Um, it also reminds me a lot of um, his like role in level E where he plays the prince where the, he just plays off the comedies so well. So well. Yeah, I mean, this it's not... It's like, what can I say? This is like perfect casting for me, because it's, it's just so good. He, he's like over the top. <laughs> uh, I Just thinking about it just makes me laugh so much. I forgot he always calls her daddy, and that's such a, <laughs> such a weird but funny little thing. I actually like how, like, Casanova kind of calls him out on that, where it's like, wait, you're not her father, you didn't marry her mother, <laughs> so she's not your daughter, and you're not her daddy. Back off. The and ultimate just... shutdown. It was so good. It was so good. Hard truce. Also, you know, Andrew, it's funny that you, you brought up the whole he's a golden retriever thing. Yeah, there's that one episode where yep. he just barks. <laughs> Not only that, there's the other episode where he literally just 
when he drags Kilya along. Oh my god, when like Kilya oh, has yeah. a bad day, it's so good. And he's just like, let's go to this place called a pet store. And it's like, hey guys, I bought a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just licking is, the whole time. Which makes perfect sense for his character. But he's actually kind of a tragic character. I was not expecting, like, I knew something was up, but it's like, wow, that's that's a tough deal in uh, life to be dealt. Oh, he, he has, like, the most, like, just horrifyingly tragic backstory of them all. It's like, yeah, I was an illegitimate child, and I was regretfully accepted in the family because they don't have anyone else. His my dad, grandmother hates me. can't see my mom ever again. See, his my dad actually kind of, like, likes him. His dad actually does love him because he was a child born out of, like, love and passion. But Grandma is... Oof. Like, I can believe that. <laughs> Grandma. Christ. Grandma needs to get run over by a reindeer. That's all I'm saying. Hey-o! <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um. Yeah, no, I, I also agree. I, I think Vic's phenomenal in this role. I, um... He's just so good. He's just so wonderful at this kind of like over the top really fast paced loud comedy um like I, I don't i don't know if i'd say it's his best role ever just because i haven't seen any version of F fma in years but i would totally argue like oh as far as funny roles go like yes this might be the best thing he's ever done he is just pitch perfect the entire time you know he can do he can be you know suave and princely and he can just be dumb as hell and it is such a delight to listen to him i'm a big fan um and on that note, let us go to our final character. Uh, the character for whom all, without whom all this would not have been necessary. Uh, Haru, Haru, Haruhi Fujioka. The story of one uh, girl and one vase. Yes. Yep. Fudgy, fudgy Okra? Fudgy. What did I say? No, no, he's going off the No, I get it Like now. chocolate fried okra? Oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> that sounds really bad. <laughs> Mm, but that that sounds like something, roots. that sounds like something the host club would think commoners eat. Also, roots. Since I know you just finished Oron like today, after this, you need to go look up the bloopers and have your life forever changed. It is amazing. Yes. Incidentally, if the show sounds fun, you can go find the bloopers on YouTube. I think they might be on the home video release. I'm not sure. They're absolutely. They're worth your time. They are on the home video. Yeah. Go yeah. go watch them in some fashion. They're delightful. Mm. <laughs> Anyways, um, what uh, I should say? Who plays? Uh, Haruhi, shouldn't I? Haruhi is played by is played by uh, the ADR director herself, Caitlin Glass. Uh, you would know for roles like Winry Rockbell in Full Metal Alchemist. She's playing Mina in My Hero Academia. She plays uh, Kyoko Mogami, the lead in Skip Beat. She's been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, what do we think of her performance, Hardy? I think even though this is one of her more low-key performances because Haruhi is... Haruhi is basically the straight man. Ironically, I know, considering she's the only female in the group. Um, to all these stupid boys that are around her. But uh, considering that this is one of her more low-key performances, she's very dry. Very uh, down-to-earth, no-nonsense sort of gal. And I think Caitlyn just does it great. Um, it's not completely flat. It's dry when it needs to be. It's emotional when it needs to be. It hits all the right spots at exactly the right times when it's supposed to. It is purely functional and yet very emotional when she needs to have a moment to herself like she's 
running of fear and hiding in a in a I don't even think that was a closet. She was hiding in like a TV entertainment center or something like that uh, from the thunder. And if nothing else, I think this is one of Caitlin's most heartfelt and human performances that she's ever done. Um, I mentioned in the dubbies that I think Skip Beat is probably probably my favorite all-time performance from her, but I think Haruhi is number two because she brings so much down-to-earth humanity to the role. Like, every time, like, she hits every note she needs to. And more than anything, that's what you need to do as an actor. You need to hit all those different notes exactly when you need to. And so, yeah, I think Caitlin just did a great job. Excellent. Uh, Roots? Yeah, I largely agree with Hardy, though I, I do need to get one thing out before I, I start. The um, Even though this is a dub that's like 10 years old, and this was kind of the point in time when you could get away with it, it does kind of annoy me that the director is also playing the lead. I mean... <clears throat> I, I I don't know. That doesn't bug me that much on the grounds that it genuinely feels like it works. Yeah, in this case it does. But it's just <clears throat> one of those on-the-side technical things that annoys me. Okay. That's fair. <clears throat> but as for the performance itself, I, I do like that she... She plays regular Haruhi with a bit of a <clears throat> bit of a comedic feminine edge. And then when she has to work at the host club and in the first segment of the uh, the first episode, she can actually pull off sort of a masculine voice. <clears throat> like and not and not young child masculine voice. Like, she actually sounds like a boy in his mid to mid to late teens. And I, I think that's really impressive. Yeah, I, I as a matter of fact, I remember going back to the show by Rock episode again. That was one of my com actually complaints about her as Retori was that it sounded too much like Haruhi. And uh, but only Retori is not trying to pass herself off as a boy, and um, oh. I, I think it's really Caitlin's really talented that she can do that. I gotta say, I knew going into this, I think somewhat where I'm like, Caitlin Glass is the voice of Haruhi Fujioka. I've heard that for many years. I've been told she's leading an Oron. That's like a big deal. When I put on the first episode. I did not think that was Caitlin Glass. I genuinely did not think that was Caitlin Glass. A few episodes in, I still kind of didn't think that's not Caitlin Glass. I genuinely don't think I've ever heard Caitlin Glass's voice sound like this. Or sound this low-key and or like masculine young teenage boyish, but also Tom Girl as well. It's... I genuinely could not tell that was her, and I was pretty impressed, actually, because that's not the voice I hear from her. I hear Winry. I hear Mina. I don't hear Haruhi 
almost ever when it comes to our performances, and that's really, really interesting. Actually, now that I think about it, I kind of maybe hear it a little bit in Kyoko, but even then, it's... I don't know. Maybe. But, either way, Arui is a great character, is a great leading character for a show like this. She's hysterical, but she's also, like, the one... When you see her react to this stuff, it's amazing. She is the one that's kind of able to as, tell people off when they're doing dumb bullshit, but also is very sincere and vulnerable herself, and wants to care, and likes this family of renegade idiots, and she really enjoys it. And I like her character as a leading character for a show like this. She's hilarious, but she's also... I also kind of like the angle that she is this completely, like, non-binary leading character that she just can be masculine and feminine easily and it just comes naturally and i really like that angle it's actually really interesting to see somebody that's just comfortably both and it's not like a preference or a sexual thing it's just she just can be both and she's cool with it Honestly, I'm totally cool for also non-binary bisexual icon Haruhi Fujioka because straight up she kisses pretty much as many girls as she does boys, which in this show is two to zero, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Again, for romantic comedy, surprisingly chaste. Yes. Also, yes, I know about the moment in the final episode that makes everybody mad is when she falls off the horse-drawn carriage. By the way, that's a surprisingly epic final episode because, but kind of makes sense in that, oh hey, this is Bones. You need to have some action in there, even in your romantic comedy. But she falls off and he grabs for her and they're falling together and it's like, it looks like they're about to kiss and he goes in for the hug and it's like, that's the moment where everyone burns. <laughs> <laughs> My ship, it's so sinking! It literally it's sinking. literally underwater. It's literally sinking, and it is underwater, and it is drowning. That's your you want a conclusion? Of... <laughs> you want a conclusion of this romantic subplot? Nope. <laughs> Try again. I'm convinced someday we will be able to get that manga license because let's face it, manga is. What do you What do you mean? Yeah, it, it is licensed. licensed. Wait, it's, it's, it's been licensed for years. Yeah, you can yeah, buy the whole box set. Yeah. Wait, who yeah. is it? This really? It's been out for a really yeah. long time. title, yeah. I didn't know that. I will okay. link it to you. No, no, no. Yeah. I believe you. You can buy. I... Dude, this thing's been in print since like the show came out here first. Like this. I genuinely thought nobody printed it. I, I did. No. Okay. It's had a complete box set since like forever. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Do your research, kids. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, so I would like to. I guess I guess I guess I know now what Andrew is going to be asking for for his birthday. So I, I mean, I'm definitely <laughs> curious to see a little more of this now, even though I do know like the end game is those two. It's very apparent even from when it's a gag series. But I genuinely do like their pair, them as a pairing, and it's actually really nice. And anyways, I'm, I'm rambling on. Caitlin Glass phenomenal as Haruhi Fujioka, and I really like Haruhi as a character. Excellent. Uh, itchy. Yeah, kind of just the same what everybody's been saying. Um, Caitlin Glass is just pitch perfect as this role. Like, again, like a lot of the other actors for this show, it just seems like the casting for this is just spot on because she plays like the best monotone 
uh, best like normal character to just play off this wacky goofy world where banana peels everywhere and nuts nuts so bonanza fucking happens in the show and she just she plays this off so spectacularly because she just takes it all face value and is like fuck that shit <laughs> that's kind of what i it's i just love time. about this character to be honest no no yeah i agree i like how she's just so like consistently both like is confounded by going on around her but also just kind of unimpressed it's not like this is amazing it's like well this is kind of dumb <laughs> Isn't it spring outside? Why is there a jungle in here? What's going on? And then she brings all the commoner okay, food this. to them, and they're like, what the, f- and they're just, what the hell is this? Like, instant what is, coffee? What is this? Instant coffee? The, the running they gag. they end up enjoying the instant coffee. I know, I know. The, the running gag of them being obsessed with instant coffee as she introduces to them just brings a smile to my face every time. Um, yeah, I, I actually kind of appreciate where it's like, they're not like completely like dismissive of commoners it's just it's a world they don't know they're just they're just sheltered they don't interact with them ever i think that's the difference in the fact that they are like kids and not parents is that the kids are just like what is this stuff it's basically like jack skellington discovering christmas land (laughs) which like what's this what's this there's magic in the air when it's just your adult it's just like ah fucking poor people yeah, and, and I can appreciate that in 2008, this show was able to do it right, unlike that terrible show, Showman Sample, which tried to do it and just made all the girls come across as complete idiots. Yeah, you want you want to watch a bad version of Oron, Oron's little gender flip? Track that one down. Better yet, don't. It's yeah. very good. Don't. It's very bad. Um, I, think I, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think I'm the only one who wasn't on that episode. No, that was just uh, that was just uh, Three me, Hardy, and yeah, me, Hardy, and Steph. I didn't oh, watch gotcha, the show. Gotcha. Don't worry about I it. I definitely also, wasn't there. Itchy wasn't on it. Itchy <laughs> wasn't on any of it. I know. I know. I mean, of us um, who have done episodes, I probably should have right, clarified. Right, right, Yeah. No, we we get what we you get mean. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I like I liked Kate a lot in this show. Uh, like Andrew, this is not a voice I hear from her in a lot of stuff, and I really enjoy it. I just she's just so good. It's so wonderful. I can't. I can't fathom anyone else playing it at this point. It's like, no, this is Caitlin Glass's role. Um, I don't think I've ever actually watched Oran in Japanese, so I can't speak for the Japanese voice actress. I'm sure she's, you know, good. Maya Sakamoto, um, who you, yeah. if you watch stuff subbed ever, you probably heard Maya Sakamoto. I'm sure I have, but like in my mind, it's like, uh, you know, when I when I think of Haruhi, I think of Caitlin Glass. She's wonderful. Um, and with that, let's move on to final thoughts, gentlemen. All right. Uh, what do what do we what do we think about this whole shebang? Hardy. Uh, bold words. Honestly, I think it's one of the best dubs ever made. Yeah, I buy that. Yeah. No, I mean, just the directing, the uh, the casting, the acting. Maybe some minor adjustments do need to be made to the script writing, but we have to remember that it was a 10-year-old dub and things were different mm-hmm. back then. Um, I put this up there. Uh, this is a bold statement to claim. Uh, it's on my top 10 list of best dubs ever right up there with the likes of Cowboy Bebop and Ghost of the Shell Standalone Complex and Bacano. And I just think everything hits every note perfectly. And... 
I, I really can't think of a bad performance. I really can't. Yeah. Yeah, I can't either. Like, there's, okay, well, there's a couple of side characters where it's like they sound a little flat. Like, there's... I think I remember the girl that's uh, Brina Palencia's character had a crush on um, was like, wow, you sound a little not like a nine-year-old. <laughs> and then there's old Alphonse Elric mucking oh, up yeah. this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This was like, this was the turning point where it's like, he he was probably like basically almost done with puberty. It's like, you can totally. kind of hear it. It's, it's really interesting. But if nothing else, he actually was like sounded the age of his character. Because he was the age of his character. But yeah, no, okay. Sorry I interrupted you, Hari. Oh, no, I'm pretty much done if you want to go to Roots. Okay. Roots? Okay. So before I begin, I actually kind of have an interesting little story to tell. Actually, Amon was kind of present for it. Um, so, animating this year, I had I was basically working as a panel auditor. <clears throat> and That's right! I remember this now. Go on. And um, so he and he and Steph and Patrick had all gone out to, to do some stuff around town. And I was basically stuck there to audit panels. I shouldn't say stuck because mo most of the panels I went to were pretty enjoyable. But um, the last panel of the night that I had to audit... Actually, no, it wasn't. There was... There was another one, but it, it was like the second to last one I had to audit. It was basically an Oron High School host club role-playing Q&A. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Oh my god. <laughs> so, I, I'm i sitting there. I, I basically have to hug Amon and Steph goodbye because they were, they were leaving. They left me some gelato. It was really good. Uh, but I'm sitting there watching this panel... <clears throat> And I'm just slowly coming to the realization, holy fuck, I am getting old. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. for context, uh, this is a couple days after I've turned 30. Mm. So, I'm, I'm just sitting there watching this 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 roleplay panel that was probably more designed for late teens early 20s and i'm just i don't understand this it's like watching a parade of italia cosplayers oh god oh, i've seen that in person it is not pretty i know people oh. who are in the parade it's not pretty <laughs> that'll make you feel old so, <laughs> so now cue to me basically over the past two weeks I basically came immediately after Devilman Crybaby, watching that for for the review I did. I, I needed a palate cleanse, and I'm just like, okay, you know what? We basically figured out that we're going to do an Oron episode for White Day, so I'm just going to palate cleanse with this. And I have to say, it's kind of weird coming into this ten years later. Because this feels like the kind of dub that would be put out nowadays. You know, 
uh, unfortunate script writing dialogue aside, on a technical level, this feels like a dub that would be released now. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, All right. Yeah. And as as a side note to your story, it just occurred to me now that it's a little wild that they're still having those or, like Oron roleplay panels in 2018. The fact, I know, right? The fact. Like, here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is sort of going into my my thoughts as well. The fact that that is a thing in the year 2018, almost a full 10 years or so after the release and relevance of Oron High School Host Club says a lot about how fucking timeless this is as a show and as a dub. Like, I, I want, like, I, if it wasn't for the four by three ratio, I would never have figured out that, like, this wasn't a show from, like, the past couple of years, because it still feels fresh, funny, these performances are great and interesting, it's hilarious. Like, I've been going through a lot of backlog stuff I've always meant to, and I'm glad I could finally go through Oron, and honestly, of the shows I've been watching, and that are scheduled in my marathon, so far, of what I've seen, it's probably, like, my favorite. Also, yeah. for, the, for those curious of the next one on my list, uh, I'm watching Watamode next. So, God help me. Oh, that's a fun <laughs> one. <laughs> so, uh, real, I, I'm sorry, real quick to finish up. <clears throat> um, impeccably acted, impeccably directed, kind of close to impeccably scripted. It's good. Watch it if you haven't. It's, it is a show that still holds up, and, like, this is not a, sh like... This is a show where it's like, I feel like aesthetically you'd be you're like, oh, this is very girly or this is very gay. But the show knows you think that. The show knows it. And it's basically playing with all those tropes and working with it to its advantage. And it's kind of amazing in that regard. It's hilarious. It's stupendous. And it's like, it's, it's genuinely amusing, entertaining, and heartfelt all at once. I'm really glad I could watch this show. I really, really liked it. And on top of that, it's fairly family-friendly as well. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, I, mean, look, I mean, look, I would not, I would not show this to like a little kid, but like if I had like cousins who are teenagers, yeah, I'd show them this. Dude, yeah. The reason the show is like still big is because there are like young kids or teenagers that watch it. And that says a lot. I mean, I, I, I'd much rather people watch this than Italia for sure. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, uh, itchy. Do you have any? Or Andrew, were you done? I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. Itchy, do you have any? Uh, well, on the Blu-ray for this, there's a reason um, it says anime classics on it. Because this show is a classic. <laughs> Everybody should be watching this. This is one of Funimation's best dubs out there. It, everything is like 10 out of 10 with this show. Even the studio that animated this, Bones, did like a top-notch job on this show. Even for like a, a goofy little comedy that's probably not going to be like the big blockbuster of an anime season, they still put their all into this and made it look fantastic all throughout with the colors and all the rose, all the rose petals. Oh my goodness! Um, man, Bones is proves to me why they're one of my favorite studios in the most not Bones show 
you could get, but it's kind of great. And, like, there is technically action in the fact that uh, Honey Senpai whoops everybody's asses and is a weapon of mass destruction. Honey Senpai whoop your butt so bad you can write it off on your tax return. I'm, I'm so, oh, Ooh. my God. I'm sorry, Itchy. Please continue. No, that was pretty much all I wanted to say. It's just, this show is perfect. Um, everybody who hasn't seen it should really see it. And kind of go with a fresh uh, fresh mind when you go into it. Don't like look into a lot of spoilers for the show because it's great when you find a great gag that you find and it just knocks you on the floor laughing. It's so great. I went into this blind. Yeah. That, that was a good decision. Yeah, I agree. This is this is fantastic. Uh, this is a wonderful dub for a wonderful show. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, the dub really only has two small mark knocks against it. One is the dated script writing that we discussed. And the other problem is that if you watch the dub, you will inevitably have to listen to the dubbed versions of the opening and endings. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Which are terrible. You <laughs> had to bring which, those up. I, you look, had they're, they're, to they're bring there. up look, the dude, dub. They're there. <laughs> there. They're there. We can't not talk about them. Uh, watch go. it on Blu-ray because you can change the language settings for the opening. I mean, and there's a big I'm old skip honest, button. It in, wasn't in, that in, terrible to me. I'm not sure. In, in, in fairness, Are you deaf? It's mostly, it's mostly the verses of the opening. The chorus on the opening is okay, and the ending is less terrible. Like it's mostly it's mostly just that first kiss, kiss, fall in love. Yeah. It's very bad. Fair enough. It is. It is one of the worst things I've ever heard. It's, oh, it's awful. I was confused. I'm like, I, I, it's okay, I guess. I don't know. I, I guess I... Which is, which is, which is, a, which is a shame, because the opening in Japanese is a really nice song. I, I, I guess it just... Maybe maybe if this was played ad nauseum to me for years, I would have hated it. Oh, yeah. No, no. I think, I think especially back in the day when, like, if you want... If you're watching this on DVD and in order to skip through the opening, you need to, like, manually fast-forward it. So, yeah. Which may not be worth it for, like, a minute and a half of content. Which, you just had to listen to that. Which, if I so wanted good. to continue from, like, as I was watching it on Netflix, like, it kind of, like, when I went to the next episode, it actually kind of skipped past the opening yeah. manually. So, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, this this is this is much more of a like pre-streaming problem than these days when they'll often just go over the opening anyways. So. That, okay. Usually, usually we complain when Netflix tries to automatically skip the opening, but this time, you know, they were they were warranted. It was Good a blessing idea. in disguise. I didn't yes. have the option. I'm sorry. I had to watch this on Hulu back in the day. Hulu. <laughs> Hulu. You poor Hulu. child. Ugh. But yeah, aside from that song, it's very good, and you should all watch it. Um, if you want to watch it, uh, you can uh, get it on Blu-ray and I think DVD still from Funimation. It is also streaming on Funimation's website. Uh, it is currently streaming on Netflix in the United States. Uh, I can't speak internationally, but I'm sure it's on there somewhere. Fun fact: um, uh, on Netflix, it has the Madman logo instead. Yeah, I, re I don't, I don't get that either. I want to like, like, why is the Australian distributor on this? Anyways, um, uh, and yes, it is well worth your time. Oh, uh, uh, update. Yes, yes. This is the entire list of shows that you can watch or on High School Host Club. Hit me, Crunchyroll. Okay. Funimation, mm -hmm. Hulu, mm -hmm. Netflix, mm -hmm. Tubi TV, mm -hmm. Amazon Prime, mm -hmm. and Yahoo Video. So really, you have no excuse to not watch this show this in one form or another. It's streaming on more episode, more websites than Pop Team Epic. 
That is amazing. We're not even accounting for the international side, so right, yeah, or DTO. This, this is just if you're US based. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, no, check it out. It's definitely worth your time. Yes. And on that note, um, I think we've said what we wanted to say. Any last thoughts? I. This was a fun time. I I'm glad I got to watch the show. I I, I I figured I'd like it. I didn't know how much I'd like it. I it's I see why the show is still as big and popular and critically renowned as it is. And you know what? It gen I on the one hand, I genuinely am sad that there is no season two, but on the other hand, I actually kinda was satisfied enough with that finale. Whereas, like, you know what? I'm okay with this. Mm -hmm. But now I know that the manga is, in fact, legally legally distributed in the States due to my own folly and fuck-up. Uh, I will probably look into that in the future. Indeed. Alright, uh, gentlemen, uh, where can we find all of you all fine people on the internet? Uh, Hardy? Oh, you can find me on Twitter, at SpacemanHardy. Uh, I need to start posting more goat pictures i haven't done so in a long time but slacking. i basically i have been slacking yes but i basically just do a lot of rants and retweet food porn and and uh retweet like my hero academia and final fantasy fan art and uh and, and just generally you know kind of be an asshole but i'm a i'm a fun asshole so but yeah, you can find me on Twitter. You can also find me at Funimation's forums, where I am the forum moderator. And I am also one of the forum uh, Discord moderators on Funimation's Discord, if you would like to drop by there and chat. So there you go. Excellent. Roots? All right. Well, you can find me on the Twitter at Roots of Justice. Uh, I mainly retweet cute animal pics. Sometimes I wear the, the tinfoil hat. Not always. Sometimes. And, um, apparently somebody thought to give me editing software, which was a folly. I plan to use it. Stay tuned. Oh, my. We're always open fact, to having more hands. In fact, you've already used it once. And I'll do it again! <laughs> he will do it again. I'll do don't, it! Don't try him. He will do it. Uh, anyway. He will do it, folks. Speaking, uh, Andrew? Uh, you can find me over on Twitter at MangaMan9000, where I go by my name now, Classy Spartan, though at this point, fuck formality, my name is Andrew, and everybody here knows it. Um, uh, you can find me on Twitter, or you can find me over on, as a moderator myself, over at the Funimation uh, Discord. And I sometimes lurk over on the uh, our anime dubs uh, Discord page as well. Um, yeah. Don't you? You have another podcast to, as well, don't oh, you? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, I'm also on Surreal Resolutions uh, Podcast ONA, which I do with Alex and other Alex, uh, Duelist, and uh, other dub talk commentator and podcast friend, Jet. Thank you for reminding me. Excellent. Uh, Itchy, I, where can we find you on the internet? You can follow me at Itchinator on Twitter. Um, I don't really have a lot to do on Twitter, so I just retweet a lot of art that other better people that can draw do for me. And uh, sometimes I retweet some political stuff. You can just mute me there. 
and I I mean I don't I don't have a lot to do I don't, I don't have a lot of time on my hands I gotta work and make the bills but I have a question uh, how, how how sexy is your beard oh it's it's very full very luscious we, we've all got really sexy really well-grown beards here mm. uh, my beard not so much I've got a fantabulous mustache though it is a very good mustache that, that counts that mm. counts uh, and uh, you can find me uh, Amon at uh, at Amon Duel uh, US on Twitter, uh, where I just I sometimes talk about music and old comics and retweet things, and it's, it's all very predictable. Um, and you can also occasionally you can go look at the wasteland that is my very infrequently updated blog, World That's Coming Blogspot Com. Will I post something in the future? Maybe I've been saying that for about two years. So Hardy, will you do yes. it or shall I? I'll do it. Amon, you're not leaving here until you give us a dusty old song. Okay. Uh, I had one plan that I forgot to write down and also forgot in general, um, which is unfortunate. But I've thought of a replacement, um, which if you don't want to listen to, say, the Japanese opening for the show, which is very good, I'd recommend the song I Can't Imagine the World Without Me by Echo Belly, which is very nice. Mm -hmm. uh, and on that note, uh, I think uh, that comes to an end. Um... Let me see. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at, at uh, are we at Dub Talk? We are at Dub Talk yeah. Podcast. Thank you. So. At at uh, at Dub Talk Podcast. Uh, you can follow us on YouTube at the page you're probably watching this on right now. You can just follow hit the little subscribe button in the corner, mm -hmm. notifications, all that thing. Yeah. Um, we have a Tumblr. We have an Instagram. I don't remember the usernames of either of those, but Dub I'm sure they're they'll, they'll, they'll be in the description. <laughs> they're in the description. They'll be in the doobly doo. They'll be, they'll be down there. Uh, so follow us all in there to keep up to date on our latest uh, doings and stuffs. Uh, and until then, Otaku on, my friends. Kiss, kiss, beard Squad, on. out! Kiss, kiss, stroke the beard. Stroke, stroke, stroke. stroke. So soft. Baby, you're so my song. beard. Stay away from expensive bases. Good night, everybody. Keep it manly. Good night. Good night, nerds. <laughs>